morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good whatever time it is, wherever you are. Welcome to Living Truthfully. My name is Amani Maranga and we are on episode 21. This is absolutely crazy. Listen guys, if you've ever dreamt of doing anything, just start. Just start. Who, who would have thought that would be on episode 21 of Living Truthfully? I'm so grateful for the feedback that you continue to give us. I'm grateful for the sharing that you're doing on the podcast and of the podcast. Tell me what you're thinking at Amani Maranga on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Tell me what you're thinking if you have my phone number. And let's talk about dads, which is the topic that we're about to start uh, today. We started last week and Pau told us about his father. Now, in this week, we have a new gentleman. Now, well, he's not new. He wasn't minted yesterday, but he's new on Living Truthfully, but he's not new to Living Truthfully. Edward Wanyoni has been probably one of those ardent, living truthfully uh, listeners from the very beginning. Giving us feedback every week through my super producer, uh, Lee Kanyatu. Yeah, anyway, so Edward is a friend of Lee and he is now my friend because he's on Living Truthfully. Welcome, Danny Thank you, thank you, thank you, Manny. you have quite the CV. Really? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I asked this guy what he does. Then he told me he's multidisciplinary. I sat down. So tell us, what do you do? Well, um, into research, primarily looking at two areas. One, communication, media. That was my initial background. And then later on, I branched into war studies. So looking at dimensions in terms of peacekeeping operations, issues to do with how our security is structured and how Africa negotiates at that place, you know, because most of the time you find decisions are made at another level and then Africa gets to become a consumer. So just looking at that level in terms of the interaction, in terms of where do we, uh, where are we placed in terms of this whole thing called security? You see what I mean? War studies. How does war studies play out? In the home <laughs> well and it's interesting you say that because there's a pardon me there's there's a guy called johan goltang who was one of the first primary peace researchers and mm -hmm. scholars and he said the conflict that every human being deals with mm. is living well living long living well and living living long. long. That's a conflict. That is a conflict. But are so, they in conflict is living well and living yes. long in conflict and that is a thing because if you have limited resources mm -hmm you will have to strive. Do I have it for today or do I have it for now? And how it plays at the home is how you're raised. Are you raised to take immediate gratification or postponed? So do you take it, all the blessings that you have, all the opportunities you have, everything you want at some time, or do you have the opportunity to let it marinate for a while? Delayed gratification. Yes. It's a concept that I'm struggling with. I'm the former. <laughs> <laughs> yes so that is the thing living long living well how do we shape it it's also the family level then it goes to the society and the community and the country at large then we start asking ourselves oh what is happening but it starts at the home wow how we are raised and he was just trying to be funny 
And the guy had an answer to it. <laughs> Mr. Wanyonyi, um, uh, thank you for coming to Living Truthfully. I'm very grateful that you've been an ardent listener of the podcast. Tell me, what, what has this podcast been to you and what has it done for you, if it has done anything? In my line of work, one of the things which has been very strong and been trying to do a bit of research mm-hmm. is the whole idea of... Uh, what they call androsphere, the space of men. Mm. It's know, called androsphere. You know, okay. androsphere. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, so the space of men and how men exert their agency, whether mm. in terms of politics, whether in terms of family, whether mm. in terms of social. And increasingly, there's been a lot of voice in terms of, oh, the man is not doing enough. The man is not rising up to the occasion. The man is not doing so much. Mm. And if you just go back to research, you ask, what has the man been given? So when Lee came and said, hey, we're starting a conversation here and it's living truthfully and it's featuring men, I was like, wow, this is the opportunity. Wow. We can we can start shaping the conversation with our stories. Mm. And something this guy called Zig Ziglar talked about failing forward. Mm. I think that is something interesting we need to talk about. Why? Because we may not fit in the model of what you'd call an X5, a BMW, a house in Runda, you know, degrees more than a thermometer, mm. but you're doing something. <laughs> and so that's the story that I want just to be, I, I hear it, you know, living truthfully, bringing out the fact that there are those silent struggles that men mm. are going through. Mm. And they're part of the journey. Mm. We don't just celebrate the destination. We also celebrate the process. And it's and it's about the process. What, what was a big story for you? What was a story that you had or a conversation that you had on a podcast that was that you were like, wow. I, I think I like that conversation that was done by Dr. Gidua. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because it talked about that idea of emotional hostage, mm. which I think is something we have never delved into. We we. Most men, especially when you're raised in rural, urban, and then the dynamics of a broken family, mm. what the society calls broken. Mm. I don't think it is broken. It's just circumstantial. Mm-hmm. I think hmm. it, 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 you, you end up in such a situation and then you don't know that this is actually what is being applied on you. Mm. It's a blackmail. It's an emotional hostage situation, more or less an emotional prison, but then you do not understand it. So I think that 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 podcast was an eye opener to me. I I listened to it and I just stopped for a while and said, "Wow, this 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 is a breakthrough." Wow. Um, this uh, series is on fatherhood, and I'm talking about fatherhood because I want to see how does our relationships with our fathers affect how we father. Are fathers important? Do they do they have a role? We know mothers feed the babies, they breastfeed, they give comfort, they give love, they, you know, they nurture. So what do dads do? There are two things that I think we need to just unpack. For me, my experience has been this, that uh, there is a model, a script that has been put forward, Mm -hmm. you know. The father protects. Mm. The father provides. Mm -hmm. And then... The father procreates mm. the three Ps. Mm-hmm. But then we know that with post-industrialization, the mother has come to a place of providing. Mm. She can also protect mm. because there are women who are now in security. Mm. So 
in terms of progression, we are being told there's an IVF system mm-hmm. that is there. Mm. So really, where does the father come? Ideally, we should look at a situation whereby the father has to recreate himself in this position, apart from the three Ps. And that recreation, for me, it's more about relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think because of our societies and how they are structured, it's mm-hmm. omitted the idea of relationship completely, especially at parenting level. For the millennials, the children who are born post-1980, mm-hmm. if you ask them... 84. 84. The, the relationship they had mm-hmm. with their parents was one which they just the eye could tell you, get out of the sitting room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was no really any form mm-hmm. of relationship mm-hmm. with your parents. Your parents mm-hmm. would... You would say... Birthday, what what birthday? Mm. You know, you go and study, bring me the grades. Mm. So it was more of an instructional as a, a, a kind of upbringing mm. whereby the father gives or the mother gives you instructions. Mm. And then you as a child, you take them, you become a good child, mm. and then you raise them. Now look at now this current generation of post-1990, mm. who are now the, the post-2000, mm. who are now the children we're raising right mm. now. Mm who are more into democracy, you have to negotiate. Mm. It has to make sense first. Mm. They will not take the instruction. Mm. You have to win them. Now, what, what what canvas are you using when yours had no level of relationship or discourse? It was purely instruction. So we have to rethink our model or our, our, our role of fatherhood differently and not necessarily bash what we went through because it had a role in terms of what they are coming from mm. independence countries which are coming from more like uganda there was no role mm. i mean people complain so much about those societies you find their fathers though they are timid they're not timid because they're traumatized that they are growing mm. that's what they saw so they will not be open and talk about things and take you to go out there and mm. conquer the world mm. which your father or the role of the father should be in terms of cheering motivating, inspiring, telling you to dare, go forth. They will be more conservative because of what they went through. Hmm. Tell me about your dad. My dad is an interesting child. Mm-hmm. Um, we grew up in uh, our initial place was Nakuru. My father was that time a provincial family planning officer. Mm-hmm. After some time. How many just, children are you? How many siblings? We, have, we 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 are four. Okay. But then later on we came to realize we have step brothers. Yeah. So we moved to Bungoma, mm-hmm. I think in around 1986. Okay. We were staying with our step brothers. Mm. So I mean growing up we knew these are just one family. Mm. Mm. So we grew up and then I think around 1990 there the guy became a bit not coming home absent. Mm. Mm. So things would happen. He would pop in and out. Mm. So in that time, you was think, he working away from? Yeah, Bungoma? he was working. Mm. But the idea of transfer mm. to Bungoma is because now he had left family planning and gone back to his initial career, which was teaching. Mm. So my mom is a teacher. My dad is a teacher. And so we were thinking, oh, finally now the guy will be at home. Mm. But then he was not coming home most of the time. He was coming, going, coming, mm. going, mm. and. In between that, we could see a level of strain, you know, mm. in terms of we were not having a level of cohesion as we would expect that he comes and stays for mm. long. So he could come and visit and go. 
I think around 1994, my mom, I think one incident just took us out mm. of that cover, you mm. know. Mm-hmm. Auctioneers came home. Oh, no. And it was a bit of a challenge because we could not understand what they were coming for. Mm. And so everything was taken and we had to take, you know, stones, you know, and just put in the house and sit there and have our tea. We had to borrow from our neighbors. We had a neighbor who was a, a pastor, so they donated some items for us. And I think wow. that incident made my mom to think through and say, you know what, this is not going to happen next time. So my mom went and bought land, something which was unheard of in Bungoma. Mm. I mean, coming from a lawyer community whereby they consider the three Ps again. Mm. So my mom was disrupting that system mm. of provision. Mm. So she went and bought land. And uh, for the first few years, we're just growing food. So my mom said, whatever happens, you have school, because you're going to the school which mm. she was teaching, mm. but you'll have food. Mm. Within some time, she went ahead and sunk a borehole. Wow. And then started thinking about now putting up, you know, a madhouse mm. and said, we're going to have to stay somewhere. But if it's a madhouse, but at least no one is going to knock the door and mm. say rent mm. or say anything mm. in this house. So that, that whole incident disrupted everything. And my dad walked out. So my dad walks out and he did it in the most brutal manner. Mm. He called us one evening and said he's leaving. And if we meet him in town, we can decide whether to talk to him, greet him or not. He's left and he doesn't have anything to do with us. We can decide whether we want to use his name or not. I was at home with my sister and my mom tried to tell him, like, why are you talking like this in front of the children? I mean, could you just talk to him? Mm. And I became a bit, you know, raised his voice. So when that happened, you know, drop silence at night. And then I'm asking myself, what, what, what is the meaning of him leaving? What, what, what does living mean? You know, what mm. does living mean and saying we could use his name or not, or we could possibly ignore him. And his last words I remember was live and let live. So I wouldn't have known the extent of those words mm. until much later. When a very unfortunate incident happened, I mean, lawyer land we know in terms of circumcision is big. Mm. I mean, I don't mm. think mm. there's any 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 community which does it, throws its the party down yeah, like we like do it. So it's yes. big. So when I was supposed to be circumcised, my mom calls him, finds, you know, ways of reaching out. There was no mobile phones during those days. Mm. Finds ways and says, you know what? This has to happen. Mm. Traditionally, you need to happen. Mm. So, of course, normally, the procedure culturally is mm-hmm. you, as a son, you raise the concern to the mother and then the mother raises to the father and the father says, is he ready? Mm. Or is he going to embarrass me? Mm-hmm. You know, Then the father comes and asks you now, are you ready really to be a man? Mm. Do, you, do, do you understand it? Because then after that, the whole process is taken over by the dad mm. and your uncles. It becomes a very, you know, male-led process. Mm. So I've never I had heard to that before. I didn't know you, you talked to your mom and then your mom talks to your yeah, dad. Yeah, so ideally, mm. you preach. 
So that time he's not there. He's not coming home. He's taken another home. Um second mom what people call step mom. Mm. I don't use the word step. Mm. So he's gone there. So eventually you try to track him and have conversation is not picking up. So I decide to to venture. Because you know in Bukusuland what happens is that if your dad does not take up the responsibility what normally happens you can actually follow the circumcision party and throw yourself inside the pool where they are you know smearing people with the clay and once you've thrown yourself in that pool with the boys who is going to be circumcised the responsibility becomes you have to be circumcised because you're already in the pool mm. so wow. you have to be circumcised whether what happens so i think that was the threat and so every every father in that context will avoid the idea that they were not able to raise their children to mm. to take the responsibility of circumcision so their their child had to throw themselves you know in the pool, in the pool. so he came around wow so he came around said he will he will do the process mm. so went through the circumcision process and then i remember now when i was fully healed and uh, so he comes and says you know now you're fully healed now you're a man ideally normally it's always a big party that is thrown you know but he just came and called me at the corner of the compound we've moved now to a new home and mm, everything is mm, well mm. so he says now you're a man um you just need to know in the olden times you could give you a spear and a shield you defend yourself right now we're in a modern world your spear is your pen your shield is your book so you need to work hard in school and i'm not here so you need to protect your mom mark mm. you amani i am the last born wow all my brothers are They've gone. up there gone mm. they're in school so he's telling me you need to protect your mom you need to defend the home i cannot be somewhere where i am and um, i'm being told that uh, someone has come here and insulted your mom or done anything in the compound mm. so imagine at that tender age you're being given the first p i think i was in class i was i was i was in my early teens mm, so yeah, early teens 12 13 yeah so i'm being given the first p protection, protection. yeah and i'm like okay what what does this protect my mom mean well time rolls i go finish class 8 I'm an average student mm. and uh, and my dad my mom says okay the results have come we need to talk to your dad go to high school my dad is like no my children cannot perform like this he needs to go back repeat do go to a national school Matthew he's never been there but but he's still giving yes he's giving instructions mm. still doing the instructions not the relationship doing the instructions my children have to perform better mm. they have to go back so mm. my mom says no this guy i know him he's the kind of person who may not perform very well as you expect but he knows what he's doing just mm. give him time let, mm. let if you re- make him to repeat it will discourage him mm. let him just go to high school so My mom had to hustle and get me high school on her own. And uh, I joined high school around late mid-March when wow. the time is actually ending in mm, April. Mm. 
So I go to school and it was quite a hassle because the guy never prepared anything that my dad never gave anything during mm, my high school. Mm. So my mom had to take, you know, bed sheets and cut them into two and stitch them and put my name. She took her own Bible, gave it to me. She had to hustle and bring about whatever little could have been gathered, donated from here and there, and I went to school. So we went with her. I reached school and the teacher, senior teacher who was admitting us was like, "Hi, this guy is coming at this time when the the time is over, what is he going to learn?" Uh, this dictionary you've come with it's a used dictionary. We don't accept this. Just sitting there, my mom being humiliated, but I was a bit determined. Like this is my place. Mm. I will I will make something. Mm. First time ended. My mom was struggling with school fees and all really those days were days of telegram. Mm. So, mama I'm sick. Mm. <laughs> you know those mom, things. Sick. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> you put it there. There's no even time for um. It's it's expensive. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Sick. <laughs> Come sick. That's Period. it. They send those things. Second time I stabilized and I realized, well, I have to do this. I have to do this and the only way I can be able to manage is to do clubs. So I went and joined clubs so that I can be actually indispensable in the school. And being indispensable so that I cannot be chased away for school mm. fees. Mm. So I had to do drama club, I have to do science congress, I have to do all those things. The good thing is that my talent took me to places. My gift took me to places so I was able to do national. So I became an asset to the school. Mm. And that's how I carried through high school. My dad was nowhere in the scene. What what was the impact of your father's absence for you? I think the impact had two issues in mm. terms of one what does this term fatherhood mean mm. because i never saw it in practice mm. at an early stage and then the other thing is when i was now coming into what you'd call now post college campus getting into working life adult life you realize that there is no one who is holding your hand other people their father they're giving them opportunities and referrals here and there and you know say oh go and so see and so and so is my friend i'll be able to send you I had to come in Nairobi and hustle it hard my dad came for the first time to my house this year wow all those years 36 years he came to my house for the first time he never knew where i was staying in Nairobi he never knew where i was how I was paying rent he never knew anything about me he was completely out of the picture we could talk on phone once in a while but it wasn't like on something which you'd say you'd look forward to mm. it wasn't spontaneous you're a father now yes how many children i have now in total four children in total in total explain using the help of a well labeled diagram <laughs> <laughs> i have two children of my own okay. that i would say of my own and then i'm in a blended family okay. so that means i'm also taking care of two more children mm-hmm. and um, this is, is 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 quite an experience uh, talk to me through the circumstances that led you to this blended family i had two relationships that um, were not 
successful mm. initially mm. and both produced so you know, a child a each. Child each. Uh-huh. and so what 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 ended up as um a situation whereby it was more of less of an impasse in terms of i can't go back to any of the mothers mm. because the relationships were irretrievable and now the only thing which was there was just to raise the children and then lucky enough i met someone who had two children and was uh divorced and uh, was starting afresh and so we matched the two and so we have now one family wow and do, do uh, you live with all the children well as per now not all the children are in mm-hmm. we are making progress okay. to ensure that all the children are but in. You're involved in all their lives but involved in all their lives um talking and of course the whole idea of trying to now blend it mm. you know and blending is interesting because it is not just about the relationship of the two partners mm. it's also the relationship of the children mm. and also you and the children mm. so there are quite a number of tangents there each child is trying to triangulate themselves with the other children with you with the new partner in the house with the new forms of authority with the new lines of responsibility and also with themselves knowing that okay fine we are in this situation remember all the children are coming in with a deficiency of sorts in terms of there's a gap but it is a gap that has been occasioned by circumstances which is beyond their control beyond our control as parents the two the two children that came with your partner now yes they have a father yes they have a father who is involved in their lives at, at the moment he's not involved as he should mm-hmm. uh, he's also a bit uh, out and uh, it has been that for a while mm. and uh, so they have not been able to see and live alone just talk but see and uh, you know engage with him and it has been uh, um, that for for, for for a while Wow. And, and and so they're also coming into a, a totally new setting. Dude, you operate in a minefield. Let me just call it what it is. You operate in a minefield. Uh-huh. How are you still alive? What keeps it sane? Mm-hmm. And it is going each day. It is just the fact that where I'm coming from, mm. there is no hope. So you're just like in a situation whereby those runners athletes from Eton mm. they're not running because that is what they want to do mm. they're running away from poverty so when, when they win world <laughs> records it's that is it it is not about the world record it's about a complete departure away from what they have yeah. because i mean what is there so in europe they're running for sports mm. physical exercise mm. this guy for me ten is running from poverty and everything else he's running for his life he's running for his life so that is what he is for me uh, i i i look at these children and i am like they have this is it for them despite the fact that they can go into a foster home and be given education and be you know whatever opportunities their talents can give them but what parenting does to them is it it will it will stay with them so what kind of father are you i am i would say i'm reflective mm. and purposeful mm. i want to continue being present in the, my children's lives mm. 
and see how they are going to reflect back on what they are going through right now mm. because that is the first I have been through mm. and I look back every time and say what this is what my father missed I would want to do something different mm. and so I'm saying as I do whatever I'm doing right now if it's to take them out if it is to spend some time with them answer their questions and I'm saying these are the things which they would when they would be fathering in their future where there would be parents they would reflect back and say he did this for us you're trying to be present you're trying to be involved yes that's what i hear from you yes you're trying not to be your father just to be me just to be you yes i've heard the saying mm-hmm. that the more you try not to be something you become it yes It is. It, 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 does that play in any way for you? I, I think to a conscious level, just being authentic, being you, doing you in your situation. Because you see, my dad had not gotten a situation like what I have. Mm. He had all the opportunity to just make it right in his own time mm-hmm. and what would have done well. I am looking at just doing right by what... I am in my particular situation simply because of its unique identifiers so to speak. Hmm. We were just talking about this article I was reading and it was talking about the ambivalence, the conflict of fatherhood with being present and involved like you are um and the lack of freedom to do the other things that you'd like to do as a guy as a dude spend more time with other men for example come to a man cave like this one living truthfully and bear your heart how does that work out for you it is more of what the economists call opportunity costs you mm-hmm. just see what is the value of what i'm foregoing mm-hmm. what is the value of what i am i am i'm going to let go or negotiate or what you go back to what we had in the first part delayed gratification delayed gratification you know living long and living well mm. uh, so so ideally for me it is to see that there's a small time capsule mm-hmm. with the children two terms of a presidency they are gone 20 years they are gone mm. they're independent they're in campus after that give them another five years they are actually starting the conversation of i need to go out they will do that for a while and then when they're mid 30s that's when now because now they are also in that space of now parenting they decide they realize well this value now in actually spending time with you know the old man mm. you know parents mm. because now it comes back they're the one they're the ones yeah. who are doing <laughs> yeah so they, so so for me i'm saying within this short time span what mm. what am i arming them what am i feeding in them what am i impressing upon their minds that they will be able to play back so it's just the little things the little things that i'm trying to ask myself like life skills you know mm. spending time in terms of life skills and trying to really urge them to be more perceptive to be more uh, concerned with themselves mm. and also to how they navigate their transitions trying to see am i really complete in this union blended families are a bit strange because of the stigma mm. that is out there mm. one of the things we have done is 
to rule out this whole idea of step in the house. Mm. So it's just, you know, Jaden, it's Kazen. It's nothing about this is my stepbrother. There's nothing like that. So it's just be you, do you. We are doing us and we are, ready, we, are, we, are, we are moving on with this kind of life. So we, have, we, are, we are also trying to confront because there are things which you may do so well in the house, but they go and encounter it outside. Mm. And then they come back to reflect. The, the narrative outside is not in tandem with the yes. narrative at home. And they come back. But when, when they feel that the internal narrative in the house is stronger and it's true and it's synthetic and it's coming from a place of depth, and like for me, experience, then they realize, and that's one of the things which I'm trying to do is to say, I wouldn't want to be in a situation whereby I slip out mm. unintentionally mm. because I don't want a situation whereby they start seeing a level of absence mm. because I saw absence. So small things like if I come late, I'll ensure that I will delay leaving the house so that they just see me. Mm, in the morning. They, they, see, they just see presence. Mm. If I know I will spend the day out for a while, I try to come in the middle of the day, they just see me mm. before they sleep. At least once they know there is there is a there is a father present. Mm. Small things which I'm trying to say that it will try to avoid that narrative of absence. My dad was not there. My dad that is something which I'm trying to avoid with the idea of just presence in little ways. How has fatherhood changed you? It has just made me to realize that um, to a big extent, as a person, you rarely have time to introspect deep within yourself in terms of your core, who you really are. Mm. Fatherhood has made me to realize you cannot lie. Mm. You just have to be authentic. That's true. Because a child will catch you. Mm. You can't give them 10 stories. My, my boy Simon Bevy says, you father, you parent from who you are. Yes. Yeah. It just has to be authentic. So fatherhood has given me that level of introspecting on who I really am. Mm -hmm. What outside the church system, what is my value system? Mm. Because nowadays the idea is we subcontract the church and the religious institution to go and get the Value the system values, there. Yeah. Go and get the education <laughs> system from the school, mm. and then now that now come come and get the discipline now mm. from me as the father and mm. the three P's that I'm giving. But I think for me it has helped me to realize what is my core, my value system, what I stand for. So then when it comes to like discipline, I am able to discipline from my core because they mm. can see what I do. Mm. The things which I'm coming to appreciate in terms of just being truthful. Be, explain to the children I don't know I will find out mm. I will ask I will inquire mm. because there is no space of being macho they will know nowadays these children will go and google I fired house helps for lying to my children exactly um, I said you know when, when it comes to the kids we tell them the truth all the time yeah all the time we tell them the truth and that has forced me to even work on my little white lies. You know, the the ones yes. you say, you know, I'm coming back. Yes. You're not intending on coming back. Yes. I'll bring you something you don't intend on bringing, you know. You follow through on the things that you say. True. What did you learn from your father? From my father? From your father. What did he teach you? I would think about English. Because he was an English teacher. Mm. And he was just 
too specific on mm. English. Mm. And uh, I think also he taught me he was a good communicator and a good negotiator. So I I I learned from him I think the few instances just to negotiate situations mm. to, to 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 handle things with negotiation and dialogue mm. and not necessarily fighting mm. and being physical and being a brawler i think what you would normally call nonviolent means of conflict resolution mm. Mm. so i think he was big on that and you've picked, you've definitely picked that from him. Yes, and I remember I saw him cook once. There's a time he came in one of those instances which were just one one of and he he, he fixed us lunch. I think the house girl was not there. Mm. And so I have I cook for my children and most of the time I tell them come to the kitchen you cook together. Oh. I hope they can also learn how to cook and it doesn't necessarily redefine who they are, especially for the boys. That's interesting, isn't it? I think it is. It, it it shatters the myth. It does. Your dad, he said he came to your house this year? Yes. <clears throat> Let's... God gives him another 20, 30 years. What do you want your relationship with him to be? Well, I just think we are in that space right now because now I'm a father. We, we've become more a bit into conversation mm. he calls he finds out how is the family mm. how how is my daughter now my partner how is my child my grandchildren are they okay mm. he's becoming more uh, concerned uh, i mean out of surprise he's remembering to share a message or two christmas easter he sent me a message you know he's he's becoming very uh, intentional also in his process and I can I can see from where he's coming from a father who was brought up a man who was brought up in the 60s I mm. uh, mean born in just before 50s so what mean fatherhood means in terms of instruction and distance and you know hierarchy and power raw mm. power for that matter now talking about relationship asking being inquisitive so i'm looking at a situation whereby perhaps i should just walk with him as he heals as he deals with himself as as he as he finds his own form of reconciliation with whatever he would have done mm. i'm just thinking about listening to him walking with him i mean i am I, I moved away and i think that part of coming away from church helped me to move away from judging him. Mm. So now we can go and sit over and drink and just listen to him. And just listen to him and whatever he's doing and what is what 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 gives him pleasure, what gives him happiness because he's in his sunset years. Mm. There is there is no father you can do in terms of beating him mm. with guilt. Mm. It won't help. When your kids are your age what kind of relationship do you want them to have with their father? I think I want them to just have friendship. I want them to just know that there is a level of freedom and 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 and, 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 and talk, open talk, open conversation that we can have. I, I want to be the kind of father who will be remembered of just being free. Mm. So I take my son for football. Um, we talk during the time I'm taking him. I take my other son also to, I mean, when he's doing his school 
you know performances and we listen with him him is a musician so we listen to him in music in the car i download for him music so i want him to i don't i want them to i want to hopefully sustain that openness mm. i want hopefully to know because with that openness then they can tell me what frustrations they're going through mm. they they know i can be a sounding board mm. and for me that is what i'm trying to imagine that besides the education and the the food and the shelter and the provision the supplies what you'd call the daily supplies i just want them to know that there's a sounding board they can refer i hopefully wish that at least one of them will put me as a referee in their cv just out of the fact that i just i'm a good character reference or i'm a friend or whatever i'm a professional whatever it is just out of the bonding wow you know you've said something so profound i don't know anyone who puts their dad on their CV as a reference. If you do, please tell me. Please write to me and tell me if you have your dad as your as your ref- referee on your on your CV. Why don't I have my dad as a reference on my CV? I mean, relationship? Huh. Relationship is it the kind of person who is a go to, you know? That's what I'm just thinking. Do I about. feel like he's credible enough? Yes. Does he know you well? can he watch for you can he if he's called by anyone can he watch and say yes I, I, th- that guy can do this wow hey what a conversation man how are you feeling i feel relieved i feel this is a conversation which hopefully should continue and i think our stories as men as i told you earlier we shouldn't look at this idea of unstructured fatherhood as a as 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 a as a, as a disadvantage mm. i call it broken fatherhood but broken to be made whole because then our children will grow from these experiences mm. and do it better better in their context mm. better in their times better for their children better for their spouses so i want just to encourage men out there who are struggling and who may feel like my story does not fit the perfect model a nuclear family with all everything that is there and you've gone to these national schools and private universities and you've had all the degrees it doesn't necessarily have to fit mm. you could have done a certificate a diploma mm. a degree you've stopped you've changed jobs in the middle you've had to change home you've had to do whatever you has to do to put the family together just keep doing it keep doing it and just cultivate the bonding with your children in the small things that are at your level if we want to raise authentic families and authentic children who will be able to have a backbone to stand up we have to do it at home mm. it is a mockery if we think we are going to be on our keyboards talking about what should happen but at home we are doing complete opposite well folks you had it from edward onyonyi you're a father worthy you're a father deserving if you're doing the right things if you're providing if you're giving direction if you're giving his three p's gentlemen you're in the right place you're doing the right thing you're the right father for your children keep doing it keep bonding with them keep building those values that will change our country 
I must have Edward back to discuss blended families and to discuss how to be a husband to three. Oh, I'm, I'm joking. Are they, uh, yes, husband to three women, okay, to one. <laughs> but a father to this. How does blended families work? I want to hear that. That might look like my future. So thank you for listening to Living Truthfully. I'm looking forward to hearing your father's story. Next week, we talk about dad some more. And I want to hear about yours. <laughs>